This afternoon, we open the Word of God in the New Testament in Paul's epistle to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, where we start reading, and we read into chapter 2 up to verse 18. The text in our focal point this afternoon we find in the verses 12 through 16a. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 27, this is the word of God. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here begins our text. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, 
I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. That's our scripture passage and our text. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do miracles still happen, brothers and sisters? Yes, indeed, they do. It's a miracle every time we see how faith is worked and hear how that faith is professed. It's a miracle to see covenant children come to realize the privilege of their special position. It's a miracle when they choose for the Lord consciously and knowledgeably. It's a miracle when we see God bring people into our midst, people who become hooked on the word, people who become part of the communion of saints and who cherish the fellowship with other believers. It's a miracle when God calls people from far off and gives them a place among his church. It's a miracle to recognize the hand of the Lord in all this, to see the power of God at work in it all. Yes, it's a miracle to observe and confess that it is God's love that is at work. His love in the gift of his son for sinners, like us all, who are saved and placed in the midst of the congregation, and his love in the gift of faith and obedience. The work of God is a miracle always. And these are miracles that he alone is able to work. Parents cannot, office bearers cannot, friends cannot, indeed no one can. Now as we are painfully aware, beloved, there also are those who come to know Christ as the only Savior, but who do not embrace him as the only name given under heaven by which we can be saved. There also are covenant children who drift away from the Lord, who turn their back on his promises, or who choose for a different life, a life in the world, a life for themselves. Then it's a miracle even more of God's grace if and when they come back, they, when he grants repentance and return later on in life. God brings them home in different ways, at different times, from different people. Yes, it is God's will and God's way in every respect. Now, just as it is a miracle when people come to faith, profess their faith, beloved, so it cannot be taken for granted when people continue in the faith and walk in it in their whole life. What we see happen as well sometimes is that some fall away from the faith, give up 
on the, on the fight of faith or decline in their church attendance and participation and commitments. That's what Paul addresses in our passage about continuing in God's grace and work of salvation in the life of those who confess their faith in him through Christ. So that's what we see. God works the will and the way to live by faith. We see, first of all, that this work is challenged, and secondly, this work is cherished. So I summarize the message of our text as follows. God works the will and the way to live by faith. This work is challenged, our first point. This work is cherished, our second point. Therefore, my beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Or grammatically, it says literally, therefore, my beloved, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Keep on working that out the tense of the verb says. When you hear or read these words, brothers and sisters, you might wonder how correct they are. We hesitate to call people to do something for their faith. Would it not be better to stress right away what God is doing? We depend on him in everything in our life, don't we? It's the same with the other expression in our text, that you may be children who shine as lights in the world. Who would dare to speak of himself or of his congregation in that way? When we consider our own lives and shortcomings, we hardly dare speak positively about ourselves. Even compared to outsiders, Christians aren't always shining examples of God's love and the love to the neighbor. On the contrary, still, it's good, nonetheless, for us to have a closer look at this text and listen to the call, the exhortation to work out your salvation. What does Paul mean? Isn't our salvation God's work from beginning to end? Or is it a bit God's work and a bit our own? So how is it? Indeed, beloved, it seems out of line with the rest of the scriptures. Even the Apostle Paul says it repeatedly that it is God's work, God's grace, and God's salvation through Christ by which you are saved then it does sound as if Paul speaks in our text about something that we have to add. Some people, therefore, have tried to solve the problem in the way of reading in the words, work out your salvation, as meaning the congregation's salvation, your common salvation, in the way of helping each other in their spiritual well-being and growth. Now, of course, that notion is not entirely absent from the context. Just think of the verses 1 through 11. Christ humbled himself for you, so you now commit yourselves 
to each other's well-being. Still, Paul is speaking about your salvation. As the ESV reads, work out your own salvation. If Paul had meant each other's salvation, he would have said so clearly. And besides, it's not really all that strange what Paul is saying. We say that too at the occasion of a public profession of faith. What a beautiful beginning in your life of faith. What an important step in your life. But it's only the start. There's more to it than just today's public profession. Compare it, if you will, with a couple that's getting married. When we say, and now you will have to work on your marriage, work on your love. Likewise, Paul is saying you will have to work on your faith and salvation. In other words, beloved, you will have to hold on to what you have received, be careful with it, and work with it well. That's a challenge that comes with faith. Work out your salvation in your life. It's wonderful that you know God, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace. Now also show your love and believe that God will help you in doing so in everyday life in our present world. God continues with you and you must continue with him. He wants to be there for you as your covenant God. Therefore, you must continue to seek him while he can be found. The word Paul uses is a word denoting activity, continued action. You can sit with your arms crossed, passively waiting what will be. Rather, Faith that's living is active, and it comes to action in your life. Work out your own salvation. That's almost like a commercial for a fitness club. Work on your condition. Stay fit and work on it continuously. You know, sometimes in catechism class, beloved, I use the expression that there is no elevator to heaven, or that the life of faith is not like an escalator. You just step in it or on it, and there you go, to heaven. Rather, when someone asks the Lord Jesus, are there many who are saved? He answered, strive to enter. Your faith will be challenged. God's work is challenged wherever you see him at work. And so in your life also there will be challenges to your commitment. Work out your salvation, therefore, with fear and trembling. Now that doesn't mean that you have to be afraid or that you must be concerned that your chances with God are slim or that he is a, a boogeyman for whom you have to hide. No, faith and salvation 
as a work of God are awesome, involving tremendous powers, and they are miraculous, requiring divine intervention. Be deeply impressed by that and respect God for His work in you. Always remember He gave His Son for you at the Lord's Supper celebration every time again. Be amazed at His grace. Stand in awe of His love and be deeply moved by the gift of forgiveness. Of all things, the holy and almighty God is your God, who is at work in you and with you, and who leads and guides you. Awesome! Thus, deeply impressed, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You can imagine, beloved, why the Apostle Paul is writing this way when you realize that he wasn't there. He would have loved to be there for them, help them, and further instruct them, yet he knew the challenges. In fact, these challenges had brought him in jail as witness. Again, then you have to remember what Christ did and how he humbled himself for you. He remained faithful to God even unto death. And he gave up everything for his love to the Father. God exalted him for it. This reward he promises to everyone who continues to be faithful to him and confess him before men. Even if you have to give up things for him then it's in the first place a renewed commitment every time again you are in such a situation. Therefore, therefore, every Lord's Supper celebration is such a renewal of your confession and a renewed response to God's love with which you go to work and live for God. How? Well, by listening to his word again walking by his Spirit again, and seeking the communion of Christ's body again for service and fruits and works of faith and obedience. You see, beloved, then it's not really a work that you are doing, but that God is doing in you and with you by his Word and Spirit. Your faith is your trusting in God, and your life is your walking with God, and your works are your deeds of obedience through His Spirit. That's what Paul means when he adds, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It is God's will that you be saved. Yes, it's even God's pleasure, as Paul puts it, and he has given you his word for your salvation. Work with that word. Read it, study it, and live in accordance with it. He also gave you his spirit for it, 
so that you can stay in a good condition. You are not alone in the midst of the challenges to your faith. Rather, his spirit changes you so that you show fruits of faith, of newness of life, and his spirit helps you in your thinking, your praying, your living and loving in the way of the Lord. Your work? Not at all. It's God's work in every way to help you live and work and walk by faith in Christ. So that's first. And secondly, this work, therefore, I could say, is cherished. When you realize, brothers and sisters, that this work of God is a miracle, this faith from God, a miracle, and this life with God, a miracle, a precious gift, you will also come to cherish it as such. Then it's something of which you will say, look at what I've got. When we show others who God is in our life and what Christ has done for our life, we would also tell them, Am I ever happy and thankful for this gift of God? Easier said than done? Indeed, that's a problem quite often for many people. They can't speak about it very well, but feel embarrassed about it, ashamed even sometimes. You see that among young people too sometimes that they don't want to look too different too much, appear out of step with others too much. Still, in a world that doesn't care about God, in a world that is getting darker and darker, a real Christian must stand out and shed the light of Christ around. The Apostle Paul is speaking already about a crooked and twisted generation. And today's situation certainly isn't much better. People have become estranged from God completely. They're living for themselves, by their own standards, opinions, and feelings. Yes, in the midst of our present-day society, with higher standards of living, the moral standards have become shamefully low. Then how do you appear in it? Showing your faith. What does it mean, beloved, to live in this world as a true Christian? Does that just mean that we are against gay marriage, against abortion, euthanasia, and a few other issues? Does it mean that you are just as critical and negative and intolerant as the Muslims are? Or do you share with others the God of life? Tell about the gift of love in Jesus Christ and show your neighbors and colleagues that you live in Christ. Indeed, that's what Paul is suggesting in our text. Do everything you can to show how much you cherish the work of God in your life the renewal of your life, and the changes in your heart, in your walk, and in your attitude of life. 
Don't walk around as people who have something to complain about or as people who serve the Lord, but actually against their own liking, who do what they do because they have to do it. God wants his will obeyed cheerfully, promptly, from a willing and devoted mind. Yes, and that doesn't just apply to our life in service to God, in which we show ourselves obedient on Sundays. Rather, when it is a privilege to be God's child, and we desire to be reformed and cherish to live in newness of life, our life and way of faith becomes an appeal to others in every aspect, on every day of our life. Yes, always. The Apostle Paul, beloved, encourages us to become blameless and innocent children of God. Then he doesn't mean to say that we will have to be perfect, but that people won't have to say, are you a Christian and this is how you behave? Are you a Christian? I've never noticed any different in you from the other people in class or in the office or in the neighborhood. Rather, they should see that you don't make a compromise with your faith during the week, negatively speaking, or walk out of step with your Sunday behavior. More importantly, however, positively speaking, is the fact that you radiate your life your faith in joy, love, care, compassion, and in sincerity to your neighbor. It shows also in the way you handle grief in your life, the way you deal with sickness, with trouble, or with death. Your way of life by faith appears as well from the purpose for which you live, the preferences and priorities in your life with regard to your material well-being, for instance. You see, beloved, when you live in that way, you will stand out in your life. Then people will see how you cherish the work of God from Sunday to Sunday. How gladly you go to his house to learn his will and how readily you receive his word for the renewal of your life. Thus, you show people what you have received from God and the blessings and benefits it renders to your life. It will make them jealous, envying what you have by faith in Christ. Then you can also, as Paul says, Hold out to these people the word of life that's changed you so much. Then you can tell your neighbor about the word of life that became flesh in Jesus Christ, who has shown the love of God so much. Thus, you become like a star in the midst of the universe, like a light shining in the world around you. As the Lord Jesus put it as well, so let your light shine among men 
that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What they see then, beloved, is the work of God in your life by his word and spirit, working the will and the way to live by faith. What they clearly see is the renewal in the image of God in which he created man in the first place. They see the image of Christ in which you reflect the love of God for the Father, the way Christ did, and for this world to whom he gave his Son in love for it. Then your way and walk, your singing and speaking, your confessing and obeying become a model, an example of what it means to live to the praise of God's glory. Then you won't look like a pop star, a movie star, or a worldly model as some young people are trying to look even in the church, but you are a star that radiates the light of Christ, the light of God's word, and the light of God in a world that is his. That's the life, the way and the will of God, beloved, for you in this world. And when you so radiate his will and his way, you show how much you cherish your privileged position as God's child. It's in this way that the Lord Jesus Christ becomes for you more and more the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, this is the life of which you cherish the beginning here and now and that continues into eternity. It is a miracle of true living. It is a salvation that's truly miraculous. It's a salvation that you will have to work out intensely and sincerely as you read your Bible every day, have your devotions faithfully, and worship God steadfastly. Yes, that's what it means to walk in the light of Christ and radiate the work of his Holy Spirit in your life, in your ways, and in your works of faith, to the praise of God's glorious grace. Amen. Let us give thanks together. Our Father who art in heaven, how humbling indeed a message like this is. Humbling in the sense of who are we? Who am I? that I may be in such a privileged position. What a pleasure it is indeed to see the riches of my faith, to see the blessings of a life for the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have made us part of your work of salvation and that you continue to work in us, that we may grow in our faith, that we may show the fruit of your spirit, that we may also show it in our service from day to day in whatever place you have given us, that it may radiate in our families, that our children may see it, how glorious it is to belong to the church,
and to have our faith in the triune God, and then for them to realize that they too belong to the covenant of grace, that they may share in all these same blessings and benefits in Christ as well. Father in heaven, we pray that we may indeed continue to be blessed by the preaching of the gospel so that we can work with that word, so that we can work out our salvation with that word. And we pray, Father, that we may so enter upon our thanksgiving tomorrow too, that this may be the prevailing sentiment that we are thankful for what you have given us in Christ, not only the forgiveness of sins or the renewal of our mind, but also the newness of life which pertains to our everyday life. Father, we pray that this gospel may continue to go out in this world as well, in all places of mission and outreach, of places where churches are being planted and people are drawn to the place because they have perhaps become estranged from you or they have never heard about you because so many people there are in our society today who don't even know who Jesus is, what he did, what he came for. Father, we pray that we may share it with them and that all those who are engaged in that work may be blessed in that work and bear fruit in it that will encourage them to continue that work. Father, we pray that especially also for our brother, Reverend Tabet Megali, and we ask that you will bless him in his work in the pathway of peace that you will bless him in the programs that he prepares for radio and television and in all the contacts that he has locally and throughout the world even. Father, it is indeed your work. And he confesses that all the time because every contact that he has is a fruit of your providential guidance. And therefore we praise you for the fruits on his labors. We pray, Father, that you will continue to bless the churches around the world and be with the Reformed churches as they come together in Namibia this week in the International Conference of Reformed Churches. Bless them as they also speak about the ministry of the Word, where they speak about seminaries and the teachings that are required in our time. We pray that you will give them a blessed time when people from all over the world are coming together there in Namibia. Father, we ask that you will continue to bless Reverend Deswarte, that he also may be blessed with good insight and understanding, that he may be a rich blessing to the congregation, strengthening them in their faith, confirming them in their confidence and trust in you. We pray, Father, that you will be with the special members of your congregations, those who are under the care of the Anchor Association. We may give our offerings for that in this worship service and we pray that it may support indeed that marvelous work that is taken care of for the well-being of these special children, royal children. Will you so continue to keep our eyes open and help us to see what you are doing in a world that is indeed straying from you and apostate and a twisted generation, but yet in the midst of it, you continue your work despite wars, 
Despite droughts, despite disasters and persecution, you continued at work because it is all under the government of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom you have given all power in heaven and on earth. And we pray, Father, that as he works with his word and Holy Spirit, we may be renewed more and more. We may be enriched more and more. We may become obedient more and more and show it in our life for the greater glory of your name and for the well-being of our neighbors. We ask it all in Jesus' name alone. Amen.